gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, we are back in a brand new year with a brand new instalment of the Hostile Takeover, the weekly-ish show of me sitting down with a dear friend talking about our love of video gaming, platform, tabletop, PC, A and Spoon, however else humans play games these days. And Because games have a wide and storied history, they are the stuff of modern day legend and we're talking about a true legend of Hyrule here today and I can't think of anyone better than someone who loves this franchise deeply and truly, the love of my life. Sandy Robertson, how are you doing, sweetie? Hi. <laughs> hello, hello. It's okay, sweetie. Yeah, we're just, we're just chatting about Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> just chatting about Zelda, but we're chatting about games as a whole. So, I know you live on your PlayStation and various Nintendo devices these days. But how did you get started in the gaming sphere? Um, that actually kind of has a little bit to do with the game we're going to talk about today. Amazing, nice. Because uh, my first games console was shared with my brothers, and that was the old Nintendo GameCube. Very nice. Classic. And one of the first games I remember us having for that GameCube was Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Amazing, yeah. But uh, with the legendary console like the GameCube, that's personally where I got started in terms of like console stuff. There, um, there's so many great titles on that. Technically now retro console that I, I hate that. I hate it. The that <laughs> was a retro. No, it's like we're tw- old. <laughs> it's twenty. It's, it's twenty years old. We are officially old. It's true, but that doesn't mean that it's any less classic. It still runs on Scott, but it still runs. I still have mine, and it works as well as it did when I played it <laughs> all those decades ago. Amazing! <laughs> yeah, it just shows that it's still loyal, and uh, the company that started off making Hanafudakos still makes good consoles that last the test of time, and their titles last the test of time because Wind Waker. Um, a love of ours that we know and a great gaming comedic duo have a very iconic YouTube playthrough of Legends of Zelda Wind Waker yep. but uh, we are talking about how we found it because I've not really played it myself sadly I've not actually played very much Zelda my first which makes me very sad <laughs> but then again that's why I'm dating you because you can fix that for me yeah and you've started I've started I, yeah. as of last year I completed uh, Link's Awakening the remaster for the Switch which was absolutely delightful it played like a very complex handheld handheld game which because I think it was a very complex handheld game <laughs> but it, now it looks good which is even better but uh, yeah I am willing to explore Hyrule a bit more and I'm very excited to have a guide as seasoned as yourself coming with me uh, seasoned in some aspects some people would say I'm a noob in others because of my weird choice of Zelda games <laughs> well, why, why are your choices weird? Uh, because a lot of the game I've played most of the handheld games a lot of the old ones um but I've not actually played many of the more recent ones. Well, like the ones that people think are like kind of the classic Zeldas now, like Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess. I have never actually played. Well, I think. Because that was during a time of my life where I didn't have time for video games. Yes, you were so. very busy in your various dancey dance educations. Yes. So I do have a remastered version of Twilight Princess, which at some point I will finish uh, or start once I get around to it. But I'm currently, actually, yeah, I'm actually currently right now halfway through a 100% playthrough of Wind Waker. <laughs> yep, I saw you starting out at the very best of it. You talked about your favourite memes of punching sharks in our underwear. Yeah. <laughs> and you were very methodically going across the whole map of like, it was 7 times 7, 49. Now there are 49 zones in the maps of those islands. Yep. <laughs> but uh, to about the game as a whole, it's 
from what I can gather from sort of like me watching over the shoulders, you were playing it at like 1am, you know, the middle of the afternoon for you. Yeah. Um, Fun it, game timing. Perfect game timing. It looked as though it was a really good dungeon delvey sort of open world explorer sandbox sort of deal. It is a very typical Zelda in the fact that it does a lot of things that most Zeldas do. You have your temples, you have your dungeons, you are assembling the Triforce, you are upgrading the Master Sword, and you defeat Ganon with Zelda. Uh, the thing they added extra, kind of, for Wind Waker is that open world exploring, in the fact that you have a boat, you're on an ocean, all these temples and islands and towns on various, well, islands and rocks out of the sea that you can only find by sailing to various places and exploring them. Yep, and that's definitely an interesting way to do it. I think most of the time, now when I think of Zelda exploring places, I think of like the 4K Ultra masterpiece that is Breath of the Wild. I think of that grand landscape and the detail of all of those dungeons. So seeing it on like the nautical side, sort of going about island to island hopping, looks very exciting. Is that specific like the big sort of grand oceans of Hyrule or is that like a different timeline where everything's all flooded please don't ask me about timelines because there is (laughs) (laughs) so much so Nintendo a while back they released this beautiful book called the Hyrule Historia which was basically everything you could possibly ever want to know about Zelda Mm -hmm. and in it they put a timeline and I hate it because it's a mess or why do you hate it? It's, it's kind of a mess. I, I always interpreted it as, you know, each kind of Link, Zelda, Ganon was like a kind of reimagining or like another different tale told of this whole thing. Yeah. Could be through various different worlds, different dimensions, whatever. That was how I always interpreted it. Yep. And then they made a timeline, which had three branching paths. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And then they brought out Breath of the Wild a year later, which didn't fit into any of them. And I was like, why did you do this? <laughs> Oh, well, they wanted to be able to tell so many stories without them all being interacting with each other, but there are going to be some people out of the one to be able to interact with each other, so they made that messy yeah. timeline. But there is, in the actual game, they do say that, because uh, currently where you are on, because obviously you're sailing the seas, and mm-hmm. none of these places are Hyrule. You don't have any of the typical places that you normally get in Zelda games. You don't have, like, any of the, like... Uh, Oh god, I'm gonna. This is killing me. Like any like Gorn kind of mountains, nothing, nothing that you'd uh, assume to be typical locate like locations for Zelda games, um, because it's described that when you do eventually find Hyrule Castle, it is literally underwater. Yep. Because the old gods decided to sink it. <laughs> right. And so that the new generation or whatever could start a whole new life. On top of the seas. So yes, Hyrule is here. It's under the water. Yep. <laughs> it's under the sea. <laughs> under the sea. But that makes it an interesting sort of new way to explore somewhere very familiar. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I feel like the sailing the high seas open world sort of way is actually really exciting because the seas just are an easy peril to sort of have because you can get like, I know you guys, you... Uh, get chased by the shark quite often when you're going from island to island. Yep, there are sharks, there are various other sea monsters, there are tornadoes, which can be a big issue if you haven't figured out how to uh, control them yet. There's other, like, uh, little bomb ships controlled by Ganon's minions. Um, But this is still very much a classic Zelda in the fact that, yes, there is some open-world exploration, but it's still very much you... Go to this place first, you do this task, you do this next, you do this. You're railroaded on your usual little path of 
temples and <laughs> gathering things and <laughs> until I eventually find the piece of the Triforce, the Master Sword, and then wherever game is hiding. Yes, <laughs> whereas uh, the true open world exploration that was Breath of the Wild. You could do none of that. You could run immediately from the tutorial to fight Ganon in your underwear. That's not this game. This is still very much classic Zelda with a little bit of... You have loads of different like side quests you can do, as with most Zeldas, but yeah. it feels a little more expansive because you have an entire sea that you can go and explore. Yep, and that makes it very much more exciting because it's quite clear that... Uh... This is still fairly early in the overall chronology of when the Zelda games were sort of released. Yeah, this one came out, I think, in 2003. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 2003 for Europe, so... Yeah, so there was plenty of time for them to sort of see the formula they had started to go from from their first few earlier games, and then as they've started to grow more ambitious and, Zel- and Link and Zelda and those characters have sort of risen up to the top of the... Nintendo character hierarchy with their crossplay in like Mario Kart now as well as Brawl and uh, Smash Brothers, they can afford to sort of put little remixes and twists on the overall gameplay formula. Yes, right. this was I think either the third or the fourth kind of 3D Zelda. Okay. So obviously the first one. Obviously most of the early Zelda games were like, you know, the eight bit. Yep. Yeah. Eight bit classics, and you had a lot of the handheld games. And then the breakthrough of uh, Ocarina of Time, yep. which is the first 3D Zelda, and then quickly Majora's Mask. And then I think Wind Waker was the next one we got after that. So Yep, so they've been able to really expand quite quickly and because they were able to figure out the scope of the world and the aspects of what the character can get up to. So they were able to put an interesting spin on the overall exploration by putting it on the sea and exploration as a whole. So that's a an avenue that they started into that I think them and a lot of games since have started to move into because when you think of like your big open world exploration games you think of stuff by Bethesda you think of your Skyrims and your Fallouts and you think of some, something obviously much smaller scales but like your Assassin's Creed and to, to, so that's a I'm just naming some of the games that I know off the top of my head but this feels like a very strong precursor to those big sandbox explorers except it's still not a sandbox it's still very much a story. Yeah. It's just kind of got the skin of a little bit more sandboxy than yeah. some of the other Zelda titles. Yeah. They put a guided road through a very big map. Yeah. Yeah. And is the and that map is still quite satisfying because you're not on the seas all the time, so and I think a lot of the key Zelda gameplay is definitely the dungeon delving. Oh yeah, the dungeon's always the best part of any Zelda game. If um, you don't have good dungeons, you're not a good Zelda game. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. Totally good. And I'm sure you could probably name some examples where the dungeons weren't particularly great. But I probably ha- could, but <laughs> well, we're talking about Wind Waker, so... Yeah, so how did the Wind Waker dungeons fare? Um, they are, there are some really good ones. Obviously, I think one of the first ones... Yeah, one of the first ones you do uh, are fairly simple, mm-hmm. but one I really like is the... I think it's the Forsaken... Fortress, hmm. which is uh, where very early on you are fired into it by a cannon, yep. which, you know, I want to enter all my dungeon- dungeons by cannon. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. you lose your sword, and you actually have to stealth around this place, which is which uh, is yeah. terrifying and really interesting use of mechanics and, like, hiding and, you know, you learn the map, and you actually then come back here later when you do still have your sword to go fight some big bads, so then you're charging now through this... <laughs> like dungeon you've already done before 
but like now you actually get to kill everything and it's yeah. really satisfying yeah and it's definitely satisfying to have that sort of actual story design of here's the here's the map but you guys go through it slowly so that you can learn it so that you can charge through it later yeah because so, you have no weapon so what yeah. are you going to do you got to slowly go around turn off all the searchlights you got to hide in barrels to avoid getting captured yep. but then when you do get captured it, it's a really cute way to escape as well so which is kind of fun that's good but then again it's also quite ambitious that they were able to put like a, sort of a stealth mission a stealth dungeon right there at the very relatively quite early in the beginning well i think that's kind of the only place you could really put it because if you had it when later on in the game where you have all these items because obviously zelda games every dungeon you go to you get new items if you had it where you had like 15 different items and your sword it's a lot harder to have someone actually properly stealth it when they have i say bombs arrows yeah like you lose one weapon you can improvise everything every other item you have as a weapon it's true. So, literally putting you there as one of your first things where all you have is your sword and your shield, and then you lose your sword, you have to stealth. There's literally no other way to do it. But yeah. if you did it later, you'd have a thousand different options of defeating enemies. Yep. And so, definitely, it uh, makes the most logical sense that it would be stealth right up front there, but it's still quite an interesting challenge to be there right off the bat because you just about know the ropes but you're still going through quite quietly which is very opposite to the overall Zelda gameplay because you have all of those gear all that gear that just builds up and up and up the longer you play through so having that chance to sort of slow down and be methodical and planning is really quite satisfying like level design yeah mm -hmm. so overall uh, what makes it so nitty gritty? Because I know you as a gamer, you love to 100% things. You yes. love to do your, find the find the secrets, find the trophies, get all the collectibles, fill up all those meters and bars. What makes this title so rewarding and so deep for the 100% completionist gameplay route? Well, like any Zelda game, like it's so finicky to get 100%. Yep. Because there's always an extra heart piece somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's always another... Uh, thing you have to get and a lot of zeldas especially in the handhelds there's always a little extra quest mm -hmm. like for example uh minish cap there's a whole side quest which you don't really have to do where you get uh different kind of amulets you can join together with other people and there's like thousands of different combinations and you have to try and find them all wow. that's the kind of stuff that they do in a lot of these games um very optional I think with Wind Waker, there's not quite as much of that, but you do have a lot of treasure you can explore. Like, as you're sailing the sea, occasionally at night, you'll see, like, little kind of glowing circles in the ocean floor, which you can go and dig up, like, yep. delve treasure. Uh, yep, there's the usual amount of, uh, like, heart pieces. If you get four, you get an extra heart. Upgrading your wallets, you can carry more rupees. Upgrading your bombs, you can carry more. Upgrading arrows... You can get, uh, especially talking more about the remastered version than the original, you can get like a faster sail for your ship. There's a whole bunch of side quests you can do in delivering letters to people. In fact, there's a really cute little, I think it's cute, a little uh, side thing you can do with delivering letters between a noble's daughter and her a love interest, which happens to be uh, a moblin. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you can deliver letters for people. There's, there's a lot of things, and obviously on the map, as you said, there's about, was it 49? Something like that, 7 by 7? Yeah, 49 different areas on this map that 
Every time you arrive at an island, you have a chance of meeting this fish. If you feed him food, he will upgrade your map. So there was one of these for every single section section on that map. Some of them are extra little, like, islands that have their own side quests. Some of them are purely treasure-based. Some of them you can only access with certain items. There's a whole side quest which is uh, helping regrow the forest. Yeah. In which you have a time limit to carry like special water to these various islands to pl- help plant these trees. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of little things to do, which I love yep. and also hate. <laughs> so roughly speaking, if you were to follow just the prescribed story of going from main dungeon to main dungeon, getting all of the items and weapons, reforging the Triforce, the Master Sword, finding the princess final confrontation with Garen. How much of that is the actual full gameplay towards your grand 100%? Mm, the basic of the basic. Mm-hmm. I mean, through most Zeldas, every dungeon you get your items. So you get most of your items. Um, well, that's just one thing I find with Zeldas. If you just charge through the story, you miss a lot of the like beautiful interactions between people on the islands, all the extra little things. So... Yes, you will get a full gameplay experience, but... You will get the fullest gameplay yes. experience. Yeah. Like, there's just so many little side quests in Wind Waker, which I love, which, like, there's one on one island where you can basically set up two people to go on a date. That's cute. Which you can only get by kind of watching them for a while and talking to them and doing certain things. Yeah, that's really nice. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to it that really reward you for being persistent and to look and explore every possible avenue which is yeah it's it's a world like every little island you go to there's people to talk to things to learn about them like extra little things (laughs) yep that's really rewarding level design and forward thinking to say that if they do this here that will have effect over there so really cleverly done for a game still fairly old and not without its uh, mixed reviews but I know this is one that you've loved for as long as I've known you. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they did really well when they brought out the remaster mm-hmm. in 2013, that they fixed a lot of the issues that people had with it. Like they added in a new sail for the boat, which you can get, which basically moves you slightly faster mm-hmm. and means you don't have to keep changing the wind direction. Right. So you can only get that at a certain point in the game and it costs a lot of rupees and you have to bid on it. <laughs> but it's a very handy tool you don't have to, like, every time you want to turn 90 degrees in your boat, you don't have to stop the boat, change the wind. Yep. Like, that helps it along. They speed track some of the hunting for the Triforce shards, because that was long and arduous in the original. Okay. But, yeah, I feel like, and also with the remaster, you have the Wii U gamepad, which makes it so much easier to move, like, swap what items you're holding. Yep. I've seen a lot of... Um... Not necessarily about Zelda, but I've seen a lot of like RPG parody videos. It's like people, some guys like uh, parodying like the tropes from like video game RPGs, where if you're being attacked, you can pause. The enemies will stop, but you'll still be in your menu screen, and you can just sort of like live in a purgatory of just like very quickly optimizing your stuff, and then probably do take the food, eat some food to recoup some health, pause, switch back to your item, and then switch back. So having that extra sort of keeping the gameplay up here, because I know when I saw you play, keep the gameplay up on the big screen and have your inventory and the mini-map there on the Wii U's. <laughs> very handy, yeah. Yeah. I feel that pausing and eating food thing is very Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. Yeah. You don't quite have as much control of that in 
Wind Waker, you do, if you do want to have a healing item, you do have to still go back into the game and actually use it. <laughs> well, that uh, somewhat keeps it fair as a much more of an older game tribe sort of thing, just to, you can switch between them and be kind of certainly use them. If it's like consumable, then that, that's actually fair. I quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the bat, you nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. Hi, my name's Steve. And I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. 
I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. talking about some like when we first started you were talking about some of the things that you know was considered the big classics like uh, Skyward Swords what, what is it that aside from like the fact that you've this is one that you've played what is it about Wind Waker that keeps it like true to you as opposed to those games even though just because you haven't played them um, something I just love about Wind Waker is the art style yeah it's so charming it's so bright like everything has this lovely stylistic swirl on it, the like waves coming off the boat, the bomb explosions have this beautiful little stylistic, yeah, like swirling animation. It's just really pretty to look at, and everything is just, I think, well designed and clean. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of the style from like the early to mid two thousands sort of GameCube style era of games, because you got your stuff like Sonic Heroes and your Banjo Kazooie's, where everything's still like. Fairly deep gameplay, but there's still brightly coloured and lots of like high motion and high impact and very stylistic. So I think that's definitely like of the times being able to put that animation style sort of swirls. That sort of reminds me of like Chinese fine art or um, the animation style from Mulan. Yes, yeah. That that sort of thing is just a very nice sort of respect to other art styles that you wouldn't necessarily get in a lot of other video games, especially not these days. Yeah. But something for this hyper stylistic back then works really well also this was the I, I also love this link because he actually feels like he has a personality in this game because this is the first uh appearance of toon link yeah so he is he has like different expressions as he's talking to various npcs who'll be scowling or just like bored like, he'll have, like, different... Like, the way he holds himself when he's low on HP just makes him look like he's just tired and wants to sit down. Yeah. Like, he'll be so angry at people and shocked at various things. And I find it just so charming that he just has so much personality. Like, every, like, he doesn't really speak, but... Yeah. He just... I feel like you get his personality so much. <laughs> so what do you think they made that effort to make Toon Link more expressive than Personal Link, like you get in the more recent games? Um... What do you think that is? I'm not sure. I think uh, at the time uh, there was a very big divide between the hyper-realistic, gritty like games and then kind of the Nintendo fluff, yep. <laughs> if that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a way to say it. And I think a lot of people wanted the nitty-gritty, like dark, edgy stuff. But I think also... It's. It, I'm going to assume it was probably a lot easier to make him so much more expressive because he's a more simpler character model. Yeah, and it's definitely sort of works with the cartoony art style. But I find that even with that art style, it makes him seem a lot more realistic because when you're like down on health, you are going to seem tired and weary. And when you're, say, like listening to an NPC who's talking on for a lot of time, if you can make him sort of look like he's bored or what have you, then that's really good because 
with the mechanics of that, I always think of the like the camera thing, the pictograph. Yes, in this game, you can take selfies. Yeah, <laughs> just one of my favorite things to do. Just like a Japanese tourist. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to take like one of my favorite moments was when I, the last time I completed this game was I had to go through. I did the whole game so I could get a selfie with me and Ganon at the yeah. end. And how did they come out? Terrible, because he's about <laughs> to destroy me. But <laughs> it was worth it. Yeah, but I also remember when you're doing the selfie pictograph thing, you can actually put those expressions back into it. Yeah, him. you can change your expressions around, which yeah. I think is just really cute. Yeah, it's really cute. And this is... also, this link is a child. Exactly, yeah. A lot of the other links, you don't quite, in like the original ones, he's just the nameless hero. Yep. You know, he's got kind of no personality. He goes into dungeons, he fights, he saves the princess. And then you kind of get a bit more of that in like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, where he's jumping between child form and adult form, and like he has a bit more personality. I think they just took an opportunity to go, you know what, this one is a kid, we're going to make him a kid. Yep, we'll make him, he looks cartoony, we'll make him cartoony, but then again, that inadvertently made him seem a lot more real, which yeah. I really like. And, but uh, yeah. I will say, this is a huge controversy when Wind Waker first came out because a lot of people hated it. We talked about this yes. before, we got, before we got started recording this. So you said that there was a huge divide about people not particularly liking the look of this game when it was, when yes. it was first previewed. So I actually did a bit of research because what I knew was kind of disjointed information so I wanted to find exactly what it was. Thank you for that. What's your mind? Yeah. So in... 2000. Wow, the year 2000. Not much has changed when we live underwater. Yeah. Uh, they had a GameCube tech demo, which was called Space World, mm -hmm. sure. in which there was a 15-second clip of Ganon fighting Link in a very realistic-looking style. Think more kind of Soul Calibur Link okay, than sure. anything before. Like, very realistic. It was a very well-choreographed fight. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I think everyone kind of went, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. They're going to do this. This is what the next Zelda's going to be. Sure. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be realistic. Like, that's cool. Yeah. So when a couple of years later, Nintendo released Twee mm. Toon Link with all its cartoon like colors. charm and bright colors, people hated it. People mm. were like, no, this is a child's game. I hate it. So quick to judge, man. Uh, but then what happened? Um, that, that hate lasted a long time for mm. Wind Waker. Because people were like, no, it's a kiddie game. We wanted... Hyper-realistic grip. Yeah, which they did get a few years later with Twilight Princess. Yeah. But everyone just really did not like Wind Waker. <laughs> well, that's honestly quite a shame because uh, you can uh, you can further my knowledge here. Did they ever revisit Toon Link in the Toon style? Aside from like, the game, the handhelds. Oh, yeah. they've. He's appeared in... Like a lot of the Smash Bros. ones. Yeah. Uh, one of the other big Zelda games that was my childhood growing up was Four Swords. Okay. Which is where, which was for the GameCube, in which you could buy special plugs which you attached your uh, Game Boy Advanced. Yeah. And Two. you could play as a four person playing in the Zelda game. That's and cool. every time you went into a dungeon, the dungeon would be on your handheld. Oh, that's cool. So it's yeah. like a early, almost an early precursor to the Wii U. Yeah, kind of. And that had the Toon Link as well. But I think mostly they kind of moved Toon Link to the handhelds. Okay. Because he got several more games. I think there was Spirit Tracks was another one. Yeah. Um, 
and the kind of more Toon Linky style in like Triforce Heroes. Uh-huh. Like he's mostly stuck more to the uh, like handheld systems, but I think like it's so charming. All his his art style is so charming. Oh, and of course uh, Minish Cap, which is another one of my favorite Zelda's, also is Toon Link. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good that he got some play one form or another and that's good for him because I think the, there's something to be said about that bright and cheerful art style because you get the hyper-realistic grit because we're going to presume that the footage we saw in that expo was him appearing that later Soul Calibur? Uh, no, it was literally a tech demo. That oh, was it. Just, it was, it was been... 15 seconds of the developers trying something and going, cool, but no. <laughs> Cool, <laughs> but it's showing that that's something that they could do. Yeah, I mean, this was still like this was like two or three years before uh, Wind Waker got released, and obviously way way before Twilight Princess, so it was still fairly new tech. New yeah. tech, and I think they did it just to be like, "Hey, look, we can do this." Yeah, doesn't mean that we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, but then I think that that should have been made a teensy bit more clear for the Battle fans. But then again, it, it was a fifteen-second clip in a whole arsenal of various Nintendo clips. Yeah. And people just latched onto it. Yeah, some fans just uh, vocal for vocal sake, which is annoying. Yeah, but... I think a lot of people have turned around on their opinions now. That's good. In hindsight, realising yeah. that, like, you know, you're butthurt over uh, a, a, a game that you didn't particularly like. That's thing. I don't say everyone has to like the game. That's fair. But... Yeah. But if you don't like it just on principle because it's not what you wanted that's that's kind of not a real reason if you don't like if you prefer the ones with the realistic art style or if you prefer ones that have a different sort of gameplay approach and that's a valid reason but just because you were it failed your expectations that's not a real reason I yeah. agree mm-hmm. I agree but we can safely say that it's one that you love and that you've revisited many many times oh I love it yeah I'm glad you love it what's the big residing thing other than like obviously it being where you started in nostalgia what's the big if you had to point one thing on it that you just that keeps drawing you back to this title I don't it's a tough question it's really tough you can pass if you want to but like it's a sort of general thing of just like there's something there's the one sort of innate thing about it I think it's just the charm the charm yeah. of just like the colors, like everything kind of put together that I've said I've loved about it. Like Toon Link himself as a character, the, the whole style, the bright colors, the kind of easy story, but like the explanation, like the exploration part, like it's just so charming. Yeah, I feel like it sums up like that style of like early 2000s GameCube Gen 1, Gen 0.5 consoles, which is like being deep gameplay, but still brightly coloured and fast-paced and fast-moving so that it seems very approachable to multiple kinds of gamers. So I think there's something to be said about that charm, which is something we really don't see anymore, but I think that's why this title warranted its uh, remaster and it's still capturing imaginations. Yeah, I do have some issues with it, obviously. Of course, not... yeah. Nothing could be perfect. Like... Yeah, some of, the, some of the later dungeons are a pain. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the difficulty curve is always... sometimes feels like a difficulty wall. So. Yeah, there's... I think two dungeons at the end where uh, they're basically escort missions. Right. Where there's silly little mechanics where you literally have to pick up the person you're escorting and carry them through each door. And if you don't, they don't come through the door and they'll just respawn right at the start of the previous room. Mm. Oh, that's annoying. That is annoying. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I suppose that's just 
maybe an oversight of like maybe they could follow us to the door or just like putting an extra layer of challenge but when you couple that with a particularly tough dungeon it makes things really difficult yeah. I would say but then that's at the point where they give you a cool extra mechanic where you can take control of your companion briefly oh and they have so yeah. Uh, I think in both of those dungeons your companions can fly but yep. you can't so you can take control of them fly them up to a specific area to open things for you yeah it's handy. like it, it makes it interesting but boy is infuriating when you get through a tough room to then be like god damn it I left her behind I've got to do the whole weird sequence of hops to get up to the next part uh, all over again yeah mm-hmm. literally carrying someone yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but even with that difficulty sort of on your mind, it's still something I know you like a title you truly love. And to what sort of gamer? This is a question I ask to everybody on the show. To what sort of gamer do you recommend Wind Waker to? Oh, I would say if you've never tried a Zelda game, try this one. Okay. Because if you think you don't like Zelda games, you may have just not played a particularly interesting one. Yep. Because they're not all as interesting as others. Um, say to anyone just wanting like yeah a really charming just wholesome experience yeah someone who, someone who wants a good whole rounder and someone to get introduced in this world and these characters yeah especially as there is a remastered out remastered yeah. version out so not hard to pick up either yeah it's, it's made it a lot easier to deal with than the GameCube version yep amazing amazing so I, 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 can I say one of One course, thing that I absolutely me. despise about this game. Oh dear. We've just talked about who, who we could recommend it to, but if you are thinking of picking this up, be aware of the following. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say, like, everyone, all the characters in this game have, like, such big characters. They're interesting. Yeah. And spoiler, in case you want to play it and haven't played this and it hasn't been, uh, like, revealed to you yet, uh, but there is a character who... Uh, is actually Princess Zelda. Yep. But they don't you don't know way. it. And they don't start that way. They yes. start as a very different character. They start as a very different, interesting character who I love. But the second it's revealed that this character is Princess Zelda, she loses all personality. Yep. And I mean, like, instantly loses all personality, all, like, agency. What she does from that point onward is pretty much sit in Hyrule Castle and wait for you to get back until the final confrontation. Yeah, which is completely a betrayal to the character they were. The way I, the way I sort of rationalise it is that the personality of the person they were before was sort of destroyed by Zelda coming back, which is a crying shame to just waste to basically kill off a very interesting character like that. Yeah, I feel like you could have still had... The typical Princess Zelda, but still had at least a bit of that personality. Because they yeah. create this really interesting character. Yeah, they do. And then they destroy her completely. <laughs> and it's like, why? I'd rather it just be two separate people. Yeah, two separate people. Or just, uh, they needed this one character to help bring her through. And she comes back in a new, reincarnated, shiny sort of form. Anything. Like, it also would have made a lot more sense if... She stayed with her original personality to then help out with the final fight. Yeah, exactly. So that seems exactly the sort of thing that character would do. Very true. But yeah, that's something that irks me every time. Because I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you're going <sighs> to... Oh, this is the part where you become a shell now. Yeah. Oops. You're a glorified lamp. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Yep. Uh, by lamp, we mean with female characters in a lot of stories, how we can assess their usefulness by whether or not we can trade them for a lamp. 
for an attractive looking lamp. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example of very good lamps. In... Which she even does because she ends up using light arrows in the oh, final confrontation. So. <laughs> a good example of another lamp would be what's her name from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Any no. of them. <laughs> no, 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 no. no Marion and the German lady were okay. It's just the showgirl lady from Temple of Doom oh, yeah. who just screams at everything. Yeah. She could have very easily have been a lamp. Yeah. But uh, this poor character goes from being really interesting... Like, she's... Oh, it's, it's such a wasted opportunity, which... Yeah, it feels bad. <laughs> yeah. But still, even with mishandling characters and a huge difficulty wall, there's something about the charm and the size of the world you can explore that brings gamers back to Wind Waker. Yeah, and I think it's it's a classic Zelda, and you have all your dungeons, you have all your equipment, you have your uh, weird companion, but this time it's a boat. Yep. You get a talking boat... Yep. As a companion, which I think he's he's my second favorite companion out of all of them. Who's your favorite? Uh, he's called Ezlo, and he's from Minish Cap, and he is your hat. The green cap thing. Yes. So they did that before Odyssey. That's amazing. That's really cool. And when you start going different places, he'll drag you back, and he yells <laughs> at you. It's great. I love him. But yeah, you get a boat as your companion who sasses you through most of yep. your idiocy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Wonderful things all brought together to make Wind Waker a really classic title. But yeah, that was Adam and Sandy talking about that right here on the Hostile Takeover. Sandy, my love, my dear, my friend, where can the fine people of the internet talk, find you talking or making things that might be Zelda or might not be Zelda? Oh, uh, I have an Instagram, which is Jealousy Ballet, and I'm also part of a YouTube uh, channel with one of my best friends uh, called No New Heroes. I can't remember the exact. <laughs> or you can find all the links to all this good stuff in the description in the show notes. Yeah, called No New Heroes, where we play various different video games and occasionally play Dungeons and Dragons, run by this weirdo. <laughs> Who we have so indeed yeah. do the dragons and the dungeons. Yeah, we play a lot of dating sims on there. Yeah, you do. And you're currently playing A Wolf Among Us, which I was there to see you guys record, and it'll be very interesting when. Certain people get to the next parts, from what I've seen. Yes, I'm torturing Renee by making her play games that she's never played and I've 100% completed, so... Yeah, that's definitely a fun way to do things. Uh, I feel like you and I could do something similar with uh, some of the games that you've featured, that you you love. But, uh, yeah, the lovely people of the internet can find you in those places. Yeah. (laughs) As for little old me, you can find me and this show on fantasticuniverses.com, where I talk about my one true love... PC gaming, tabletop gaming, and various flavours of dragon-style cards. Uh, you can find me writing about our love, Dungeons & Dragons, on the Apotheosis Studios blog, and find me writing about Batman on Dark Knight News. But to talk to me more directly, you can follow me on Twitter, at IsItTinker. Links to all of these good stuff will be in the show notes. And this has been a hostile takeover. Thank you for joining me, Sandy. Yay! <laughs> And 
and this is mine Find a beat that shines, renewed spirit and mind Spitfire when I swig in with some friends of mine Rewire till I arrive at the end of time This is music to play in black holes, alternative futures Retune to play on your onboard computer A song to play in Batmobiles, or Plastic Man's iPod Zatanna backwards magic words, or Marvel Man, my god Fire up the turbines, the game's afoot Underwear over tights is now a good look If there's been monkey business, I head off on a mission I'm ready for anything in a head-on collision So listen all vagabonds, scoundrels and villains Beware because it's on, this is just the beginning No cake, just a time belt with vivid shine Every hero needs theme music and this is mine This is your tune now, your theme music Stand strong in the storm or easily breeze through it I'm passing a mantle, bestowing a gift It might take you some training before you know what it is It's the bite of a spider that's radioactive It's mutant synapses becoming finally active When no one else could ever really walk in your shoes Walking into exams or out of job interviews To deal with every evil ex or several devilish kids To enter the ring already a legend Ready to win whenever it is Every right to work on a Monday in a hurricane Tired and you're underpaid Find you want to run away Hey, face front true believer If you don't believe in you then they won't either This is the teaser trailer for your blockbuster event And you're at the centre This is so intense When I get stupid to the point that I'm mentally mad The mad, the mad scientist I drop science as if I 